Let's do it again, folks. The L.A. Dodgers had the best regular season in their team's history, but only one October win to show for it. The Dodgers are the cream of the crop, but they need to start winning some games in October to seal their legacy as one of the great teams of all time. Jeff Snyder of Locked On Dodgers here to talk about it. We're doing Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball, yes, even during the offseason. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for the last decade, last four seasons as a host here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And you can follow the show at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow me personally at Locked On MLB, uh, sorry, at Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. It's late. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. And tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. Or check out some of the other great shows of the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's pick one totally at random. Uh, Locked On Dodgers with Jeff Snyder. Hey, by a supreme coincidence, I could do some more setup and everything like that. But you know what? I'm going to bring the man on. He's sitting in front of his bobbleheads. He's been a guest of mine for probably all four years I've been here. Jeff Snyder, the host of Locked On Dodgers. Uh, uh, which season is this of yours of doing Locked On? Are you a four-seasoner as well? Yeah, yeah. We started the same time you did, I, I believe, March 20-something, 2019. 2019, yeah. Yep. Yeah, right. Vince and I have been doing Locked On Dodgers. Haven't missed a day, Monday through Friday, at least five episodes a week, every mm-hmm. single week for the last almost four years. Yeah, you were one of the first ones. Uh, the first one was Stacy's. That I because I knew Stacy and she recommended Stacy Gatsoulias of Lockdown Yankees. She recommended me to do the Lockdown MLB gig, and uh, I started listening to you. And I started listening to Sean Sears at Lockdown Cubs, and Stacy and I think Gabby Starr was doing uh, Lockdown Red Sox at the time. There's been some turnover, but there's been consistency. And you've been you've been a stalwart. You've been the Clayton Kershaw of the locked on podcast network in terms of Dodger Dumb. And so, you know, let's let's see. Let's make it five. Let's make it five this year, shall we? Yeah, might as well, you know. And uh I'm uh I think I'm on one year deals at this point in my career like Kershaw is. And uh yeah. I did briefly consider moving to Texas a while back. And so uh this was you know 15 years or so ago because my in-laws were there. But uh yeah other than that there's not much that Kershaw and I have in common. Except no, that we got- don't grow very good facial hair but we try anyway. And you got you loaded your bobbleheads and figurines behind you. Any uh, new members of their family behind you there? You know, there's a couple that haven't even gotten up on the wall yet. Uh, a couple redheaded pitchers, Dustin May and oh, wow. Justin, yeah. Justin Turner from his pitching appearance. Uh, oh, now, gosh, for, yeah, former right. Dodger Justin Turner. I know, to, I know. 
Yeah, well, so uh, um, th those ones haven't gotten up on the shelves yet. I've got a couple others. Elton John is still sitting in a box somewhere. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm one of my goals this offseason is to get this office organized, including getting all my bobbleheads up. Okay, well, let's just you, – you inadvertently – uh, ticked one box. I want nothing to talk is about. inadvertent, Sully. Nothing that's true. That's true. Uh, Justin Turner, uh, World Series hero who showed up positive, tested on the during the clincher and went on the field without a mask. Uh, but a huge part of the Dodgers winning the World Series in the 2020 uh, truncated season, beloved Dodger is now signed with the Red Sox. So Tell me, when the Dodgers sign Rafael Devers next year, how, how's he going to fit in with the team? I mean, just let's let's get down to brass tacks here. Uh, you know, I, he knows he knows Mookie Betts pretty well. Uh, if J.D. Martinez comes back for a second year, you know, uh, I think Devers will fit right in. He'll feel comfortable, and uh, I, I think he'll he'll do pretty well at Dodger Stadium. So I'm looking forward to it. You know, and I, I know he's looking forward to being teammates with Shohei Otani too. So that'll be a That's good time true. for him. Uh, you guys had Kimbrel for a while there. Um, yeah, that sounds familiar, I think. Kimbrel, now you signed J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, Joe Kelly. You just are acquiring the 28. There are more. Yeah, David Price. That's right. There are more members of the 2018 Red Sox on the Dodgers than there are on the Red Sox at this point. Well, uh, uh, the, the Red Sox now have Justin Turner, Kike Hernandez, Alex Verdugo, Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin, all of whom have played for the Dodgers in the last couple of years. So, yeah, they so appear to be just be doing a swap. It's the L.A. Red Sox and the Boston Dodgers. Let's just call it what it is. Which is why um, you and I get along so well, you know. You, you, you're a, a recovering Red Sox fan living in L.A., you know. I'm true. a I'm a Dodger fan who's heard of the Red Sox, you know. It's, it's yeah. all made. Yeah, I mean, I have to just say, I I really like the signing of J.D. Martinez. Um, I, I don't understand, and again, it's, it's a very good signing for Los Angeles, especially reuniting J.D. Martinez with his former hitting coach and his former teammate, Mookie Betts, and eventually Devers. Um, who are we kidding? But uh, it's I find it strange. It's a one-year deal, which is probably the right kind of deal for him. He was an all-star last year. Don't know how many more years you're going to get with him. Uh, I'm stunned that some teams that have uh, – you know, could have acquired a good solid bat like that without it breaking the bank that needed that to boost their team. Cleveland comes to mind. Baltimore comes to mind. You know, Tampa comes to mind. Some of the teams that may have gone for us more safe, you know, the, you know, high ceiling, low risk signing like JD Martinez. Instead he goes to LA. Um, I, I think it's a great move for LA just because he's the kind of hitter his hitting IQ is off the charts and you need to have a player like that. It's like having a second hitting coach and you saw what he did in Detroit in Arizona and Boston, that he's the type of hitter that kind of like the, the, the high tide raising all the boats around him. I think that you're going to see when you put him in a lineup with the likes of bets with the likes of uh, Freddie Freeman, I think you're going to see a lot of runs scored in LA. Yeah, and uh, if if you believe Scott Boris's version of the story, they turned down bigger offers elsewhere because he wanted to come to the Dodgers. That you know, is that Mookie Betts, Robert Von Skoyak connection that he wanted to come to LA and uh, kind of prove himself, improve himself, make a statement, and then get a bigger contract next year. 
obviously some of that is spin. You know, if you're an agent whose whose client takes what seems like a smaller deal than he might have gotten in this crazy free agent atmosphere, obviously you're going to spin it as well. He could have had more somewhere else, but we we chose this. This is this is what we wanted. But also, I mean, I think he probably could have had more somewhere else. Just looking at how much some Josh Bell, what he got. JD Martinez is a better hitter than Josh Bell, and the fact that Josh Bell puts on a glove sometimes, uh, uh, you know, he doesn't use it well. And so, no. like, there, there's, I don't think there's a universe. I know Josh Bell's a switch hitter, I guess, but I don't think there's any universe where Josh Bell is more valuable than JD Martinez at this point, and yet he got quite a bit more money. So, I, yeah, I assume that Martinez could have got more, but he did want to come to the Dodgers for whatever reason, and uh, I, I'm not complaining. Well, Joey Gallo got more than J.D. Martinez. You know, I mean, look at... Yeah, Did Gallo know, have Gallo, a, good, a good year last year? He had a disastrous year. You know, and yes, I know he had a cameo with the Dodgers by the end, but I mean, I mean, it just it was disastrous. And, and yes, I know that Gallo is a fine defensive left fielder, but I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I just adore what you get from Martinez is bad. Even if he's not going to hit 25, 30 homers, he's going to get a ton of doubles in the gap. And I think he, I think LA fans are going to love him. Right. There. Yeah. The, the only downside of the JD Martinez signing is that it meant there wasn't room for Justin Turner on the roster anymore. That's the okay, only downside. Well, yeah. But I mean, that's look at JD Martinez is just making a bet on himself that he can, you know, that he can uh, have a terrific season probably be part of another team that will go deep in the, hopefully for the Dodgers go deep in the postseason. And I think it's a safe bet that he's going to come out on the good side. And if you're going to yeah. make any bets, go to bet online, bet online remains your number one spot for all your online betting needs. Now you get all the latest odds trends from every professional and amateur league out there from pro basketball, pro football, college basketball, college football with the bowl seasons coming up and you have the NHL and eventually you're going to have the final four and March Madness. You got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at betonline as well. That's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. We're here with, oh, let's get rid of that. We're here with Jeff Snyder, the Snyder dog host of Locked on Dodgers. Now, Justin Turner skedaddled. So did the other Turner, Trey Turner. Um, I'm a li- I got to be honest with you. I'm a little bit surprised that the Dodgers, look at, we, we had a feeling that they knew Corey, uh, Corey Seager. I almost said Corey Snyder from the former uh, Cleveland slugger. Uh, we had a feeling that Corey Seager was going to test the free agent waters a few years ago. When Trey Turner came over in the Max Scherzer deal, I I really thought Turner was going to be the long term solution at shortstop. Uh, I'm a little surprised they didn't make a bigger scene to keep him as he's now gone to Philadelphia, where I think he's going to be an absolutely perfect fit in Philadelphia. But I, why didn't? Am, am I missing something? You follow the Dodgers closer than me. Am I missing something? Why the LA Dodgers let Trey Turner walk? Uh, I for me, I, I feel like almost Trey Turner was more of a foregone conclusion to leave than, than Corey Seager was. You know, in, in hindsight, I think Corey Seager is a Southern boy who wanted to be, I, I don't think L.A. itself fit Corey Seager that well. 
Uh, I, I think he prefers the the pace of life in Texas. And Trey Turner, it's kind of a similar situation. I think as much as he he denied it or backtracked it or whatever, I think he wanted to be on the East Coast. He wanted, you know, his his wife is from near Philadelphia, and so it's kind of going home for her. Uh, he likes spring training in Florida, where he's from, and just all all those things combine. And then you throw in the fact that there's no way he was ever going to get as long a contract as he got from the Phillies. He wasn't going to get that from the Dodgers. He he definitely could have gotten more money per year from the Dodgers. I am absolutely positive of that. Uh, but overall money, because the Phillies were willing to spread it out over 854 years, I think it was, they, yes, they could give him years. they could give him more overall money. And when you're Trey Turner's age, you know, he's he's 30 years old, whatever he is. It's uh, this is really it's his only big shot at free agency anyway, mm -hmm. and so really you're looking at that overall number more than the number per year. You know the Dodgers could have given him six years at thirty five million a year, but at at age thirty six hitting free agency again, is he going to make up that other you know one hundred and twenty million dollars or whatever? that he'd be leaving on the table, I guess not 120, but close to a hundred million dollars yeah. that he would have been leaving on the table. I don't think he's going to get a hundred million dollar contract at age 36. And so for, for me, I, I think the answer to your question is it takes two to tango and Trey Turner didn't want to be a Dodger anymore. And, and you know, maybe if they had, if they had, I think if the Dodgers had matched the offer, the Phillies made Trey Turner still goes to the Phillies. I think the Dodgers would have had to, beat the offer the Phillies made, and that just wasn't going to happen. That's not how the Dodgers do free agency. Well, look, at this is why I have you on, because it, it totally bewildered me. I mean, I, I like Trey Turner a lot as a player. Yeah, uh, I see the Dodgers as a team with very deep pockets who saw a lot of dollars come off the payroll, uh, and I just figured, all right, this is a guy you'd want to keep on this team. So now, you know, and of course, there's this wonderful shortstop class out there, you know, Turner goes elsewhere, you know, Correa, Bogarts, uh, Dansby, Swanson, they all find other homes. Um, what What's the plan at shortstop? Are we going, are we going for a youth here or, or are they going to try to make a deal? What is the plan to, you know, we, we saw what the plan to uh, make up for Seager was insert Turner. Now Turner's gone. So what's the plan to supplant Turner? Yeah, my best guess is the Dodgers are still hoping to swing a trade, whether it's Willie Adamas from the Brewers or or something. But I also think the Dodgers are perfectly comfortable with Gavin Lux as their starting shortstop. Lux was a shortstop in the minor leagues. He was the minor league player of the year in 2019 as a shortstop. He had some defensive issues in 2018, but he mostly overcame those in 2019. And I, I think Gavin Lux, I, I think the Dodgers are pretty darn comfortable with him as they're starting shortstop, at least to start the season, and then they can play it by ear and see, okay, if it's not working, well, then maybe the Brewers have fallen out of contention and they're more willing to trade Willie Adamas or some other team has a shortstop that, that's available. You know, Tim Anderson from the White Sox, you know, somebody at midseason, maybe their chances are a little bit better of swinging a trade there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think right now, well, yeah, if the season started tomorrow, it would be Gavin Lux. And I think the Dodgers. It may not, may not be their ideal situation, but I think they're pretty comfortable with that idea. Lux was, until his neck injury late in the season last year, Lux was very, very good last year. He hit really well. Didn't have a ton of power, 
but even without that he had a a solid you know uh mid 800s ops and you know he was a very good hitter last year before the neck injury kind of derailed his last month of the season and so if they could get i mean gavin lux before the injury had a better ops than trey turner had last year and, and so uh, if they could get that offensive production, even if he's not everything they're looking for defensively, he's extremely athletic. You know, range isn't going to be an issue. It's mostly the arm is the question. Uh, but I think if they could get that offense from him, they would gladly deal with a few defensive miscues. You know, I, I'm old enough to remember when they had Mariano Duncan making, you know, 50 errors a year, and then they replaced him with Jose Offerman, who somehow was even worse. And, and you know, uh, and then Hanley Ramirez, you know, the Dodgers did fine with Hanley Ramirez. They, yeah. they've shown that they are willing to sacrifice some defense uh, for offense. Even Corey Seager wasn't a great defensive shortstop, but he could hit the snot out of the ball, so he kept playing. And, and so I think Gavin Lux could be. I don't think he's going to be the hitter that Corey Seager is, but I think he's could kind of fit that mold. A better defender than Seager, not as good a hitter, but overall kind of similar player. Well, you broke my heart that you just didn't even mention Alfredo Griffin. Alfredo Griffin, you but between Mariano Duncan and Jose Eferman, Awfulman, whatever you want to say, um, you had Alfredo Griffin who batted 190 something, but was the uh, starting shortstop for the 1988 World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers. Although he missed most uh, a big chunk of the season because he got hit in the hand by a fastball from which pitcher? Um, was it Tom Browning? Nope. Uh, no, Dwight Gooden, Dwight oh, Gooden okay. fastball hit Alfredo Griffin, broke his hand and he missed a couple months middle of the season. So Dave Anderson got a huge chunk of starts for that world series champion team, but Alfredo Griffin was back by the postseason. And, uh, as you mentioned, he was not a very good hitter. Uh, it's crazy. The Dodgers won that world series, despite getting nothing from A's acquisitions, Mike Davis and Alfredo Griffin and Griffin played like 18 years in the majors and had a combined total war of like two. So. I, I, that's why I forgot him. Before we totally trash Mike Davis, uh, remember he got the walk and got on and base the stolen set base. Up the Kirk Gibson run and hit a home run in the clinching game uh, and against I believe Storm Davis in the clinching game. He hit. If I'm not mistaken, I'm doing this by memory. I believe he hit two regular season home runs and one World Series home run. I, if I'm mist- if I'm not mistaken. Mickey Hatcher, I'm doing this by memory, but Mickey Hatcher and Mike Davis combined for three regular season home runs and three World Series home runs. Mike Davis had two homers in the regular season and the one in the postseason. And yeah, I know Mickey Hatcher had, uh, I think it was one home run in the regular season and two in the in the postseason. That's right. Yeah. So that's yeah, my that's memory. A... I remember that 88 World Series vividly. I think Dave, Dave Anderson was on that roster, I think. He was kind of like a utility in like he and Hamilton were like the um, there was a, a they kind of like I think Hamilton uh, not Hamilton uh, Dave Anderson was a uh, uh, a reserve on that team if I'm not mistaken. yeah and if you ask my mom Dave Anderson was just there for eye candy well I also think for for the decoy purposes and again I'm doing this partially from memory when he was in the on deck circle yep. Gibson, he was on the on deck circle when Mike Davis was up. Not Kirk Gibson and Dave Anderson was on deck and at the last minute. Uh, Lasorda called back Dave Anderson and in came, and that's when 
Kirk Gibson came up and Vince Scully very famously said, look who's coming up. Sacks wedding on deck, but the game right now is right. at the plate. High drive to right nope. field. High, high come on, fly Sully. ball high to fly right, ball right, field. right field. She is, she is gone. gone. In a year that has been so improbable, so improbable, the impossible, the impossible has, happened. has happened. Yeah. I imagine the with this internet qu- lag that question... we, we're not doing this very well in unison. I know, but we're, we're it's pretty. The only question was, was, could he make it around the base paths unassisted? Yeah, I've uh, I've watched that inning more times than than I care to admit. Uh, my kids know if they're not ready to go to bed, they can just say, "Hey, Dad, can we watch nineteen eight? Can we watch Kirk Gibson's Homer again?" And they know that it's they're really, going to get to stay up for at least another ten or fifteen minutes. It's really one of the most remarkable things that has ever happened. And by the way, one of the other remarkable things: it has two of the greatest calls in world in World Series history because the Vin Scully's call is phenomenal, but Jack Buck's was. I don't, I don't believe, believe what, I, what just I just saw. I don't, I don't believe, believe what, I, what just I, saw. I just saw. Is yeah. this really happening? And, yeah. And he's uh, Jack Buck alongside the great Bill White. Uh, I just have a hard time that. with Jack Buck calls because they remind me of Ozzy Smith. Go crazy, folks. Go That's crazy. True. Now, yeah, here's the deal. Sad. And I want someone to find this out. I need someone to find this. Uh, I've never heard the L.A. Dodger radio call of it. Nor the Oakland A's radio call of it. It would, I would probably be what probably Monty Moore would have been calling for the A's. Um, and I don't know who the radio announcers for Los Angeles were. Was it, was it Rick Monday? I don't know. Was it, was it, uh, I don't remember because I mean, it was mostly Vin Scully, uh, back but, then because he Scully would do the simulcast. He did the national yeah. television announcement. Yeah. So, so I don't know who was doing the radio for the Dodgers for that game, actually. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Well, yeah. heaven forbid we stick to the current Dodger team. We always have hey, to bring it back. A couple old guys like us, you know. I know. Well, look, at before we go on here, I do want to just bring up this very important message from <clears throat> NHTSA. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think a law enforcement officer doesn't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. The bottom line is this. If you feel different, You'll drive differently. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high and get a DUI. This has been paid for by NHTSA. All right, we're here with Jeff Snyder of Locked On Dodgers. Now, I'm sure you're tired of the whole sort of Bobby Cox Braves-like narrative of they're always winning the division, they're always winning 100 games. But they've only won one World Series. This year, I really, (coughs) excuse me, this year stunned me. I really thought this year, I mean, going into it, and especially when they won the first game against the Padres, I remember thinking, this team's just going to steamroll. And the goose showed up. And next thing you know, um, 
you know, the Padres of all team eliminated. You know, I would, I could almost understand the Braves because the way the Braves played down the stretch, I just, it didn't make any sense. And of course it put a really bad, I imagine put a bad taste in your mouth. What was from all other accounts, an absolutely magical regular season for LA. Yeah. Yeah. It's been two months now, so I can talk about it without crying. Uh, first I have to say though, that goose thing, when the goose was on the field, the Dodgers were rallying. It wasn't until it was the Padres were bringing in a new pitcher and they took the goose off the field. And that's when the Dodgers got, got out. And so I don't understand why the Padres claim that goose is their rallying thing because the Dodgers were the ones that succeeded with the goose there. And so, you know, wh- whatever it is, uh, uh, obviously superstition is, is silly, but yeah. you know, that, that series was ridiculous because the Dodgers were historically bad with runners in scoring position. They had a stretch of 0 for 20 with runners in scoring position during that series. And this is a team that was one of the best teams in baseball with runners in scoring position throughout the year. And, and if the Dodgers had gone four for 20 with runners in scoring position instead of 0 for 20, four for 20 is still not good. If they had gone yeah. four for 20, they would have swept that series. That's, I mean, because yeah. all the games were close. It was Will, Will Smith, his sacrifice fly that he hit to put the Dodgers up three to nothing in game four. If that thing's 20 feet to the right or the left, it's a three run double. The Dodgers win that game. And then the Padres would be pitching. I think I was scheduled to pitch game five for the Padres if it had gotten there. You know, like the Dodgers win the series if Will Smith's laser isn't right at Jerickson Profar. So many stupid little things had to go just right for that series. And I know it sounds like sour grapes, and it is. Um, yeah. The, the Padres were a very good team, and we all knew that. And and when the Padres traded for Juan Soto, even though Soto struggled with the Nats and didn't do much better with the Padres, he still won Soto. And so we knew yeah. anytime he's in the batter's box, he can well, do something. And he did. Remember, he, he struggled with the Nats because he was alone. You know, he, yeah. he would only see like two hittable pitches every single damn game. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, you got to take some of his stats he did. He had with Washington for the first half of the season with a little bit of a grain of salt because that team was garbage. Why the hell would anyone throw him a strike? Yeah. But, but yeah, when you, when you look at, yeah, it's frustrating that the Dodgers had a historically great regular season and lost in the division series It's probably a little more frustrating because they lost to the Padres than if it, they, they had lost somebody else. But really, you know, I, I don't like it when the Dodgers lose in the postseason ever. I, I do think, uh, I think this has exposed some people who weren't willing to say out loud and still aren't willing to say it out loud, but they say things like, oh, but they could never win in the postseason for eating. It was just two years ago they won the World Series. I think it's exposed a lot of people who, for some reason, still think of the 2020 World Series as illegitimate. Uh, Some people will say it out loud. Uh, I at least can respect those people's uh, willingness to be stupid out loud. Uh, But the, the 2020 postseason... The Dodgers are the only team that's ever had to win 13 games to win a World Series. Yeah, yeah. And and did it all while living in a hotel under quarantine, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, the, the season was shorter. The postseason was longer. And the, the Dodgers were going to make the postseason. The question, it's not like they snuck, the Marlins snuck into, the freaking Astros snuck into the postseason that year. You know, yeah. the Dodgers, they didn't sneak in. They had the best record in baseball. They were going to win it. So, like, but I think, I think there are people who, with two straight losses, losing to the Braves in 2021 and the Padres in 2022, I think people are just kind of saying, oh, they could never win the World Series. They always lose the bit. All we have is this asterisk. Bill Plaschke for the LA Times said it. All we have is this 2020 thing that looks more and more 
dubious by the moment. Shut up, Plashke, you moron. Like, it, it was a great World Series win, and it was it, it was perfect. And the fact is, the best team in baseball doesn't always win the World Series. In our lifetimes, Sully, I, I say our lifetimes, you know, I think it would have to be a pretty broad range for you and me to check the same age range box on, on a survey. But, you know, it, let's say in my lifetime, I'm 45 years old. I would guess maybe 10, 12 times the best team in baseball actually won the World Series. That's the way it's set up. And, and basically, since they went to divisional play in 1969, that's how it's been set up. It's getting further and further away from the idea of let's reward the best team. Back in the yep. day, it was the, the winner of the National League, winner of the American League. They play each other. Chances are, worst case scenario, you know, one of the two best teams won it, you know. Uh, and, and now there there's, what, 12 teams in the postseason now? And, like and so the chances of the best team winning the World Series go down and down. And for me, that's why I've told you this a thousand times. For me, a lot of the enjoyment I get from baseball is the six months of the regular season. I had a lot of fun in 2022 watching the Dodgers win 111 games, watching them dominate opponents, watching them over and over just pound people in submission. And yeah, there was always that nagging thing of, well, I hope they can keep this up in the postseason. Turns out they couldn't, uh, but but I still enjoyed the season. And, and the fact that the last week of the season sucked and that the season ended three weeks earlier than I wanted it to doesn't change the fact that that was a six months that was really, really fun to watch as a baseball fan. And I think as a baseball fan, if if you can't appreciate the regular season, I don't think you actually like baseball. You're you're a person, you know, I have a lot of friends who say, I don't watch baseball until October. I say, that's fine, you know, if that's if that's your version of fandom. But if you're an actual baseball fan and you can't appreciate a team that won 111 games in the regular season, I'm not going to say you're a worse fan than me, but you're definitely a different fan than me. Well, it's like saying I'm just going to watch the fight at the end of Rocky and not watch the movie that builds up to the fight. You know, I think which that, Rocky, which well, one are we talking about? Pick a Rocky, but especially the first three Rockies. Um, to me, I've said this before. I'll say it again. People are going to be sick of me saying this. A baseball team does not owe a fan base a championship. A baseball team owes a fan base a summer summer to get attached to a team to be with the team day in and day out you know the postseason is great it's fun obviously you want to see your team win a title and i i think you know, I'm, I'm assuming the dodgers will eventually win another title we'll see but you know you but what they owe you is an entertaining summer being there day in and day out and and certainly the dodgers have done that for their fans i know that the fans would love to see another parade but they certainly, you know, remember where they were 10 years ago. You know, the first year, I mean, like, or like 11 years ago, when, you know, the McCourts were, were you know, treating it like an ATM. And there was the nasty divorces. Yep. And they couldn't sign big players. There's the big fight in the parking lot, you know, putting that Giants fan in a coma. You know, remember, there was a period of time where the Dodgers were on the verge of bankruptcy. And... And I've thought about this a lot, that there was a moment that could have changed, really changed the trajectory for the Dodgers at that point, which was they still had Torrey as their manager. They were still good enough to make the playoffs. In fact, they made the NLCS back-to-back years. But CC Sabathia was a free agent. And he was a California kid who wanted to stay in the NL. 
there's a little Venn diagram of a team that he could have fit in well. And he signed with the Yankees because the Yankees backed up the Brinks truck. But the Dodgers were not a team that made acquisitions at the moment because the McCourts didn't have the money to do because they were broke or they were they were there was they were they were scam artists. If they had the money of the Dodgers, you could have had Sabathia and Kershaw as a one-two punch in their prime in the late nineties, early two thousand, uh, the late two thousands, early two thousand tens, and Dodgers win a World Series somewhere along the line. You know, yeah, yeah, that's probably true, and yeah, it, it's a. You know, we keep talking about these Boston imports to LA. The courts may be the the worst ones of all of them, but yeah, you know, it's uh, and Manny, uh, <laughs> Man- Manny was great until he wasn't. Um, well, you, I, I, I may have, I may have used this analogy with you, but um, I remember Manny with Cleveland, and I remember obviously I remember Manny vividly with when he was in Boston. He was my he was my favorite player. He and Pedro are my two favorite players on the team. Um, I said that he is uh, Manny Ramirez, and and his time in LA was like a condensed version of the experience of rooting for him in Cleveland and in Boston, which is I've equated rooting for Manny Ramirez like a trip to Las Vegas. That when it starts, it's so much fun. You can't believe how much fun you're having. You think, oh my God, I've, this is the most fun I've had in a long time. And then... A couple of things happen. They're like, oh, okay, it's still fun, right? It's getting a little weird, but it's still kind of fun. And then you get to the point where like, oh man, we got to get out of here. This is uh, this is getting out of control. And then it ends. And when it ends, you think, oh, thank God, that's over. But then you look over your friends and go, but it was fun, wasn't it? That was pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we're alive. I'm glad we had to get out of here. We we had to stop it, but it was fun while it lasted. And you had that over the eight years he was in Boston where he was, went from being just, just putting up like mind boggling numbers, world series MVP. And by the end, it's like, yeah, you have to go. And the same thing happened in Los Angeles where it was when he arrived, it was Manny Wood hitting more homers you could imagine. And, and I was, I was already living in Pasadena and I was like, okay, it's fun that Manny's here and everything. But then the same thing happens, and uh, you know it's like that moment at any Vegas strip. You go like, "Yeah, it's time to go." Do you remember Manny's last appearance as a Dodger? Was it in the playoffs of no uh, two thousand? No, I it, it was mid mid season. They were playing in Colorado, and uh, they sent him up as a pinch hitter. Uh, it was bases loaded, two runners on something, you know, and they were down like nine to four, but they you know, sent him up there trying to, to get them back in the game. In he course, takes strike he one, yeah. takes strike one, turns around, argues with the umpire, gets himself ejected, got DFA'd later that night. His last appearance as a Dodger was getting ejected after they sent him up as a pitch hitter in a key spot. Was Tory still the manager that year or? Yeah. Yeah, because Mattingly didn't take over till 2011. So that was 2000. That was 2010. Was Torres last year, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Manny uh, was something special. But uh, you know, you mentioned parades, and and going back to what we're theoretically supposed to be talking about here today, uh, I think the fact that the Dodgers didn't get to have a parade after the 2020 World Series, I think that, 
I think perceptions would be different if they'd had a parade, uh, but they couldn't because it was a pandemic and all. And so the, the fact is the Dodgers still haven't had a championship parade since 1988. They won a World Series, but they haven't had a parade. And so uh, I, I think the next one, assuming everything goes according to plan in 2023, you know, we're not in a pandemic, we can have a parade, uh, or at least not in the in the throes of a pandemic, uh, have the parade. I think that'll make people feel a lot better. Two, two World Series in four years, got your parade. Uh, that will clear some things up. But the fact is, Sully, it's not – after the Dodgers lost, there are people calling for change. You know, Dave Roberts needs to be fired. You know, they need to change the roster. This obviously isn't working, you know. But the fact is, baseball is the same sport in the postseason. It's a little bit harder because the pitchers are a little bit better. The hitters are a little bit better. But it's still the same sport. You win games by scoring more runs than your opponent. And it's impossible – to be a team that's good enough to win 111 games and not be good enough to win in the postseason. The fact that the Dodgers didn't win in the postseason this year doesn't mean they couldn't win in the postseason this year. They just didn't. And that's the beautiful, stupid, ugly, beautiful truth of baseball is that only one team wins the World Series every year. And that doesn't make 29 other teams a failure. doesn't mean that Andrew Friedman doesn't know how to, you know, that – Billy Bean, my stuff doesn't work in the postseason. You know, that it's not the case. The fact is the Dodgers put together a great team that didn't get the job done. It wasn't Dave Roberts' fault. Sure, maybe there were things, the, there were a couple moves I disagreed with, but it wasn't his fault. It was the fact that they couldn't hit with the runners in scoring position. And, you know, that happens sometimes. Sometimes you go through a slump, and when it happens in October against the, the team in your division that wants to be your rival, it sucks and it gets people calling for change, but I'm very, very glad that the Dodgers front office doesn't believe in change for change sake, because I think your best chance to win the 2023 world series is to go out and win another 111 games in the regular season. Cause you have a great team and then do it in the postseason. And maybe, maybe they'll actually be in better shape next year because the Padres and giants are both going for it. And so, you know, the fact is the Dodgers, before the NLDS started, the Dodgers hadn't played a meaningful game in like two and a half months. They had clinched the division literally a month earlier, and they were so far ahead. Basically, the All-Star break. By the All-Star break, they were already, I think, 12 games ahead of the Padres at the All-Star break. So it's like they hadn't been playing for anything. And so maybe it'll be better if they actually have to fight for it a little bit so that by the time they start the postseason, they've only had a week or two of, of meaningless games instead of several months. I don't know. You know, the, these are all just theories, but the fact is they had a very good team that could have won in the postseason. They just didn't. Yeah. Well, you want, I think you make a great point. The best chance they have to get back is keep on winning, doing what you're doing, take your shot again. Well, I'm going to take my shot every time I have you on the show. Jeff Snyder, tell people where they can follow your wonderful show. Yeah, it's Locked On Dodgers, just like this one where every weekday morning find us on YouTube, wherever you find podcasts. And I'm over on Twitter at Snydog. If you want to, all I do is talk about the Dodgers. Basically, sometimes I talk about my kids, but most of the Dodgers, you know, and uh, yeah, that's about it for me. Well, thank you for making Locked On MLB your first listen every day. For your second listen, well, have that be Locked On Dodgers. But your third listen, have it be Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions. Game recaps and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports Today available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Talking about the Dodgers, past and present, 
with Jeff Snyder of Locked on Dodgers. This has been Locked on MLB. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.